How many of y'all love Jesus in here today? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to I wanna make some confessions to you. In my 16 years of being a Christian, I have never heard a message preached from this text. After being faced with the challenge of preaching it, I can understand why. Hallelujah. I have never in my life been intimidated to preach a message. Never. I may have been intimidated by crowds of people and things of that nature, but to preach a message, I've never been intimidated by this. I've always been like, all right, this is what God says, and I'm good with it. Last week, you know, I preached the, uh, the, the top part, and I spoke to the man on prayer and all of that good stuff. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. And as I was getting ready to, as, as a matter of fact, last week when I was preparing the message, for last week, I couldn't even prepare the message because I was so worried about this week's message. I kept reading forward. I was like, Lord, you want me to preach this? And, and the reason why I say that is because, see, I have a choice in this, right? I can, I can pick and choose what to preach. Amen? I can decide, you know what, I'm going to preach these eight verses, and then I'm going to skip to another chapter somewhere else, and we will deal with something somewhere else. And glory to God, we'll still have Christian living, and it'll all be good, right? But then I find when I'm looking in the scriptures here that the Apostle Paul is communicating to the church, and I see what, you know, he communicates to Timothy. And he tells Timothy some awesome stuff. He tells him in verse 14, look at chapter 3, verse 14, look over there. He tells Timothy this, he says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that way you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so what I realize is that it's important for me to make sure that I am communicating the whole counsel of God, not just the parts that are easy. Amen. Amen. He goes on in chapter 4, verse 6. I had encouraged myself in the Lord before I preached his message. Glory to God. In, ver in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed amen? amen and so it is my desire just to be a good minister amen it is my desire to be faithful to the truth of God's word and so as I said I mean obviously you can see that just when we read that that's just that's like intensified you know in our day especially because you know first of all nobody in the church now let, 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 let's just be real now nobody in the church wants to talk about how folks dress amen somebody amen. we don't want to talk about that right but the apostle Paul for whatever the reason is, he pawned it off to Timothy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he said, yo, Tim, check this out, bro. I want you to share this with the church. I'm going to come to you soon after you get beat and stoned for sharing this message. I'm going to come to you. And I'm, gonna, I'm just kidding. That's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, look, I need you to instruct the church. I need you to communicate the truth to the church because it is the truth of God's word that is going to set them free. The issue with this text and the reason why it's so hard for us sometimes to look at is because, first of all, our traditions... Our traditions tell us certain things. The saddest part is that there are folks who have used scriptures such as this to become religious and to try to control people and things of that nature. And that is not the purpose of the text. You understand what I'm saying, church? That is not the purpose of the text. The purpose is so that way we will know how to conduct ourselves as the children of God. So that way we will know how to live and that we will know how to act around each other. That we will know how to be and not just this. And so if I get up here and I talk about prayer, everybody says amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to pray. Ain't nobody going to question prayer. You know, some people say, and you know what, I can't even say that. Because I remember one time I was in a meeting with someone one day. And when I was sitting down in the meeting with them, we were like, I was like, let's go on ahead and pray. And they were like, man, this church, we pray too much. Hello, somebody. 
And so there's folks that will say that, you know, we pray too much. That, you know, pray, well, you, we need to pray, but not that much. Listen, you can never pray enough. Amen. As a matter of fact, I would say to you that we don't pray enough. If we prayed more, we would be seeing the glory of God manifesting in a greater level within this earth. Bottom line. And so if I were to talk about prayer, it'd be okay. If I were to talk about fasting, you know, if somebody would have issues with it, you know, because fasting is a tough thing, but nobody would say, hey, we don't need to talk about fasting. I could talk about all kind of different things that are there in the scriptures, but when we talk about this, this is like more sensitive than talking about money. Hello. But here's the reality, church. We, as Christians, when we consider how we should live, we cannot allow society, we cannot allow science, we cannot allow tradition, we cannot allow anything else to define what is acceptable, what is expected, or what is commanded by God other than his inspired word. The bottom line is that we cannot allow anything to define what God expects of us, what God is commanding us, what God requires us. We cannot allow anything to do that except the holy word of God. This is the only thing that can determine for us what it is that God is expecting. That is what we have to make up in our mind. And the ultimate question for us today is this. Do we take the word of God at face value or not? Here's the question. Do we take the word of God at face value or not? Do we trust that God can instruct us according to his wisdom and his knowledge and he can do it with our best in mind? How many of y'all believe that, that God can do that? God can give us. I got like five hands that raised. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I got five with me. Glory to God. I guess that's a number of grace. So hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so we believe that the word of God is inspired by God. We believe that the word of God is there for our instruction, and we should take the word of God at face value. I love what Leonard Ravenhill says, and he says, you know, one day some young person is going to get radically saved, and they are going to outdo every single one of us because they are going to read the word of God and believe it and begin to run with it. They're not going to read the word of God and question it and try to reason it and try to fit it and all that kind of stuff. They're going to read the scriptures and they are going to run with what God says and do what God is calling them to do. The word of God, church, must be the final authority in the life of the church, period. We cannot allow the purity of scriptures to be diluted by anything. For in the moment that we do this, we are guilty of nullifying the word of God and its ability to command, to convict, to convert, to free, and to form our souls. Jesus was speaking in the book of Matthew chapter 15, and his disciples and him came in, and they sat down, and they were going to eat. And when they were getting ready to eat, they did not wash their hands according to the ceremonies of the, of the tradition of that day. And so the, the, the Pharisees came to them and said, why don't y'all wash your hands, you know, according to the traditions of the elders? And Jesus goes on to tell them, he says, why do you nullify the word of God by your traditions? And what he's saying to them is he's saying, look, you guys are taking the power away from the word of God because you're putting your tradition in front of my commands. And so it is important that we do not allow the word of God to be diluted in any way, shape, or form. God's instruction, church, is always life-changing, and it is challenging, and the purpose of it is to produce maximum fruit in our lives, period. Amen? Amen. So the first thing here, I want you to repeat this after me. Say, God desires, God desires that all of his creation, all of his creation be, fully be fully and truly, and truly. liberated. The title of the message today is True Liberation. It is important that we know this, church. And this is another thing that I want to make clear. Our scriptures do not depict a chauvinistic God. Hear what I'm saying. 
There's a whole lot of people, and I want you to realize this. The reason why I entitled the message True Liberation is because when you look at history, you find around, you know, the 18th century or something like that is when the whole women's liberation movement began. And there were some really good reasons why this happened. And I want to let you know, first and foremost, not only is God not chauvinistic, but neither am I. Amen, somebody? And so the purposes for this women's liberation from what I see is because, you know, there needs to be some equality in society. Amen. Women need to vote, be able to vote. Amen. Somebody, they need to be able to, they, their, their voices, they're not in, inadequate. They're not ignorant. They can vote and they can make good choices. A woman should not get paid less money than a man just because she's a woman. Amen. Somebody, she should be, she should be given equal stuff. I believe all of that. And so what I want you to know is that I'm not coming from that perspective. There's, there's other things that happen when you look at these women's liberation movements, you have some some places like you know where they where they literally circumcise women yeah it's part of their culture and so i think we need some women's liberation there hello somebody that, 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 that's horrible. And these are the type of things that, that happen. Now, when you look at your, when you look at the history also, you find that in the Judeo-Christian realm, in the beginning, and I'm not Judeo-Christian, but in, the, in, in Judaism, and you also continue to move and you look at the way that the Roman Empire was around the time when these scriptures were written and inspired, you got to find that you'll see that women were not important. They were, they, they were, they were looked down on in society. And you've got to understand something about Jesus. When you really look at Jesus' ministry, one of the things that marks his ministry is his liberation of women. When, they, when, when the woman with the issue of blood comes in, what does he do? Does he cast her away or does healing power be released in her life? Not only does that happen, but also because God Almighty, there's this whole crowd of people that are pushing up on Jesus. And one person touches him. It happens to be a female who has this issue of blood that is running. And she's been an outcast and rejected in her society. So not only is she a woman, but she's also someone who has an uncleanness and the spirit of God moved in Jesus in such a way that power goes from him. And he turns around and he says, who touched me? And what does he do? He calls her out in the middle of that crowd and he brings restoration to her life because Jesus was bringing the true liberation to women. Amen, somebody. And so we realize that God is not some chauvinistic God. When you look at your scriptures, you find that one of the first women or one of the first people to see Jesus, the first one to declare his resurrection was a man. No, it was a woman. Glory to God. When we continue on in the scriptures, we find in the book of Acts, we find women of God that God uses. In, as we continue on throughout the scriptures, we find a woman by the name of Phoebe. And the Bible shows us that she is a deaconess in the church. And so we know that God is not chauvinistic, but God is a God of order. Say it with me. God is a God of order. He is a God of order and there is a purpose in everything that he does. In the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, God clearly defines and he communicates through the same apostle who wrote these scriptures here. He says that there is no difference between man or woman. He says that we are all one in Christ. And so what he's doing is he's saying, listen, we are equal in value. But here is the issue. We should never mistake or confuse value with position or responsibility. And that's the issue. Is that we're trying to define our value by our position. And that's not true. Because if you look at the army, a person can be a colonel and a person can be a private. Well, does that mean that the private is of less value than the colonel? Does that mean that the colonel is a better person than the private? Not necessarily. It just means that that person has a specific rank and there is a specific order. And if things are going to operate the way that the army or the military wants it to operate, guess what needs to happen? The private needs to listen to the colonel. Amen, somebody? That's the, way that the, that, that's the way that authority operates. 
Well, within the church, God doesn't want, you know, us to have this bad mindset when it comes to authority, and especially for women. God doesn't want you to feel like you are of less value in any way, shape, or form. He wants everybody to understand that we are equal in value, but we have all been called to separate tasks. We are equal in value, church. We are equal in value, and that is what I want you to keep in mind throughout all of this that we'll talk about, and it's a lot to talk about, glory to God. But there is no difference in value, but here is the truth. The truth is that our reward, church, is in heaven. Regardless of our gender, regardless of our responsibility, we should all be living for that reward. The reward that we want is praise from God, not praise from men. The reward that we want is to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not man, not woman. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the thing, church. True liberty, true liberty begins with one question. What is defining you? What is defining you? The source of your definition will either produce power, courage, and strength, or it's going to produce insecurity, fear, and doubt. So who's defining you? Well, let me give you a scripture because I don't want to just give you my opinion. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not just knowing what the Bible says. It's being defined by what the Bible says that sets you free. Not, not an opinion. It's the truth of the scriptures. The scriptures teach who is defining me. Who is defining you? Is a person defining you? That person can only do so much for you. What we've got to make sure is that God is the one defining us. And he gives us some wonderful definitions within the word of God. And so the first thing that we have here, and we look, we look at, let's look down at the scriptures now. We talked about this last week in verse 8. It says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It goes on in verse 9, and he says, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. So I'm going to stop there for this moment. I want you to repeat this after me. God's commands offer enlightenment. They offer instruction. They offer blessing. And they give us a choice. We can do what God says or we can do what we want to do. We can do it God's way or we can do it our way. God's instruction here through the Apostle Paul to the women is not as much about what to wear or what not to wear, but it is on being clothed in righteousness. Hear me. External composition should reflect or should be a reflection of our internal conditioning, not a compensation for the lack thereof. External composition should be a reflection of your conditioning internally before Almighty God. Not a compensation for what you're lacking. Trying to make it look good. on, And, and that goes with just everything in general. Listen, we should just put on our Sunday best outside. We should be walking in our Sunday best every day. Amen? We should be living righteously before God Almighty. Man, woman, child, young, old, whoever. We should be living righteously before God Almighty. We should be walking with him according to his counsels and not trying to make things look good, but they should be good. 
They shouldn't just seem righteous. They should be righteous. And so what's the apostle doing? Is he trying to give them some kind of dress code? I mean, come on, man. He didn't give a whole bunch of little things here. He didn't break every single minute detail down. He touched on some things that were going on in those days. And it is important for us that we contextualize the scripture and then we apply it to our lives. Don't try to throw the scripture away and say, well, you know, that's an old-fashioned type of thing. Then what you are saying is that your God is not sovereign, that your God is not all-knowing, and that your God is outdated. And I'm here to let you know my God. I don't know about your God, but my God is not outdated. My God is all-knowing. My God knows exactly what we need to hear. And the reason why I came from this scripture and this text is because it is very important for us to understand. He is giving clear instruction to the church. Every single scholar will call these books the pastoral books. In other words, these are the books that shepherds should utilize in order to govern and direct the church. That meant the church from that day to the church that Jesus comes to get. Are you hearing me, church? And so it's important for us to grasp this reality that this is not some outdated, chauvinistic, someone called Paul, some old, crusty bachelor. That's what they said. He's an old, crusty bachelor. And the reason he's talking like that is because he don't want nobody to be happy. That's what they said, church. Do you think that, you, you, you think that that's the issue? Think that Paul just didn't want folks to have a certain mindset. But what he does is he gives the women and he gives them an understanding of some things that they that should be guidelines to their dress rather than a dress code. So what does he say to them? He says the first thing, I want you to look at it with me. He says that the women, verse 9, adorn themselves. Pause right there. Wait a second. That the women adorn themselves. Doesn't that sound like women make yourself beautiful? I mean, think about it for a moment with me. Women adorn themselves. As a matter of fact, this word actually comes from the word cosmos, which is talking about the adornment of the universe. What does that teach us? It means this. The word means to put in order, to make ready, to arrange so that the woman would make ready, that they would put in order. What does it show us about God? First of all, God is into adornment, church. Have you looked outside? Have you seen the beauty of his creation? Have you seen how adorned it is? Have you seen how nice everything looks? Have you seen how the pictures, how, how the colors flow together better than any picture you've ever seen? Have you seen how things that you would have been, that, that would never go together, it just looks good together? You know why? Because the adorner of all adorners, hello somebody, he's the one who adorned it. So what is he saying? He's saying women adorn yourself. He's not saying walk around looking crazy. He's not saying, you know, don't put on makeup. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying don't shave, don't put on deodorant. He's not saying none of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not saying any of that stuff. Now, if that's, if that's your thing, hey, glory to God, no, no condemnation. But that's not what God is saying to the church. He is clearly communicating. Paul is saying, I want women to adorn themselves. There's a certain way. And he goes on to, and, and he continues on saying, he says, in modest apparel. So what does that mean? Modest apparel, it means well arranged. It means seemly. And so what does that mean to us? It means that God wants you to be put together. Hello? Amen. <laughs> he don't want you looking busted. Hello? That is, that, that, that is not what God wants. See, 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 this is what I'm saying. Religious mindsets take the text out, and they're like, oh, you know, the, you, you just need to be looking rough. Why? <laughs> Who said you're supposed to look rough? Nobody said that. The devil said that. You know why? Because he wants your husband looking somewhere else. Come 
Now, let me, now, 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 let, let, let me pause for a moment because I want to say something, and this is very, very important because I don't want to give no one a release, you know, be like, well, Bishop said, you know, listen, I want you to know, it don't matter. Hear me. It does not matter what a woman is wearing. Brother, your eyes need to be on the Lord, and that's where it need to be. Hello. So what I'm saying is women's motivation to dress is to please God, not to keep you from looking. Oh, I, I, I know, I know y'all ain't hearing me. What, what, what I'm saying is when Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a young woman, he didn't say in parentheses unless she's dressed like you know what. That is not what Job said, church. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a young woman. In other words, I'm going to keep my eyes off of what I shouldn't be looking at, regardless of how they're dressed or what they're not wearing or what they are wearing. Are you hearing me? Because I don't think that this should see, because here's the problem. Pastor Rob was telling me about a person he was having a conversation with, and they said that they don't allow women to wear red in their church. Why not? Red is a seductive color. Glory to God. Listen, listen. So women can't wear red because it is a seductive color. What kind of sense does that make? Is God offended by red? What you need to do is teach your men to control themselves. Teach your men about that last portion of the fruit of the spirit, self-control. Hello, somebody. That's what we need to do. And so why do I say this? Why am I pausing there? Because I don't want a woman in this place to think that I'm, I'm teaching this stuff because the men can't control themselves. If they can't control themselves, they need to repent. Amen. Hear me, church. This is not about men. This is about women of God pleasing their God. Amen? Amen. So the first thing, he says women are to adorn themselves with modest apparel, well-arranged, seemly, or modest. He goes on to say, with propriety and moderation. Now, these are important words because, remember, he's not giving you a dress code. He's giving you a way to dress. That's what he's talking about. And this goes across the board. I want to let you know this is all of us need to go across the board. We need to have the right mindset when it comes to what we're wearing and what we're putting on because everything we wear, everything we're putting on does what? It points to God or it points away from him. Hello. Did you hear what I just said? I had a conversation with someone the other day, and you know, they, they, they and, and, and I'm, I'm gonna just say this, you know, and I'm gonna look down just in case someone has something like this on. But I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they had one of them rosary beads on their neck, and I guess that's the new style, you know, that's the new thing that, you know, young men are wearing or whatever the case is. And I had a conversation, I was very, vo and, and I was very, I, I wanted to drive a point home to this person, because I was having the conversation, I said, listen, man, I said, you know, first and foremost, why do you wear that? Oh, well, you know, it's just cool. I said, okay, but do you know what it represents? Well, you know, not, you're not real. I said, okay, that's the problem. You need to know what you're wearing. What does it represent? It represents a commitment to Catholicism, whatever the case is. It represents something that you're not really about, right? And he's like, well, okay, I don't believe okay. I said, that's fine. And I, was very, and I was very blunt and to the point. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, you're saying you're wearing something even though you don't believe in it. I said, would you walk around with a shirt with two guys kissing on it? You don't believe in that, do you? You don't believe in that situation there, right? You, you, you don't believe in that, but, but you wouldn't wear that kind of stuff walking around. Because what? It represents something you don't believe in. So if you believe in Almighty God, you shouldn't be wearing certain things. Hello, somebody. Amen. We need to consider that kind of stuff. We need to have our mind right. And so when we're looking at the scriptures here, we find that the apostle communicates for them to be with propriety. What does the word propriety mean? 
It means a sense of shame or honor. It means modesty, bashfulness, reverence, regard for others, and respect. I mean, let me say it again. A sense of shame or honor. Now, when I say shame, it doesn't mean that you should be ashamed of yourself. It means you should keep yourself covered up. Hello? I know, I know. I couldn't get a lot of amens on that. We should dress with a certain level of reverence for who? I already told you, it ain't about the men looking. It's about the God you serve. Reverence before him. Respecting, yes, you are creation, and God has endowed you in certain areas of your body. And you know what? Those should be saved for the enjoyment of your spouse if you are married. And if you are not, you should keep it all together for what? For the day that that day comes. Hello, somebody. Listen. Here's the, here's the reality. We have got to look at what the scriptures say. That's what propriety is. Walking with a reverence, with a jealousy. Ladies, you need to be jealous about your body. Did you hear what I'm saying? See, our society doesn't teach that stuff. Our society does not. Our, our society teaches you accentuate whatever God has blessed you with. You make sure that you show your stuff off because that's how you're going to attract who? <laughs> what? Then you wonder why you got all these women, I don't mean to be funny, but you got all these women complaining about all these horrible men. How you catching them? Mm -hmm. or, or the other question, where are you fishing? And let me just say this, women, you shouldn't be fishing. Did you hear what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, know, I, know, I, know, I know glory to God is going I love you guys. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen. Paul is saying here. See, 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 if men of God would read this, fathers would read this, right? You know what they're going to do? They're going to teach their sons, son, you see a woman dressed like that? That ain't the one you want. Amen. You see a woman dressed, son, you don't want, you, you don't want that. That, that. that is not what you want. Because cause, cause first of all, first of all, if she's dressing like that, she ain't got no respect for herself. And she can't respect herself, she's going to respect you? Mm. Okay. Glory to God. Fathers, glory to God. Hallelujah. Propriety. Propriety. It says they should be dressed with propriety and moderation. Now, propriety deals with what you're actually wearing, what you're actually putting on. Moderation doesn't. Moderation deals with something else. In my Bible, in the, in, in, the, in the parentheses or whatever, it shows there in the column, it shows this word, discretion. Because now this is the mindset that you wear. In the other translations, it says sobriety. Look what this word means, with propriety and with moderation. So moderation means soundness of mind, self-control, sobriety. What is he saying here? What is the, diff what is the opposite of being sober? Drunk intoxicated. When a person is drunk or intoxicated, they are what? They are not in their right mind. They are under the influence of something else. Something is altering their state of mind. Here's, this is important now. When I'm getting dressed as a man, woman, whatever, I need to consider some things. I need to have a sober mind and I need to think, well, first of all, again, like I said, you're not the one that's responsible for whoever's going to look, but I need to think, why am I dressing this way? Not because I said so, but because the scriptures say so. Why am I putting this on? 
what is making me put this on? When I put it on, now, now let's just be real, am I looking up in the mirror thinking about every so-and-so that's going to look at me? Am I considering those things? Is my mind right? See, I'll tell you right now. When I get dressed, see, my wife doesn't even know this. I'm going to tell her this because sometimes I get upset because I'll be in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the closet in our room and I'm getting dressed in there. And then she comes in there and she interrupts me and I get upset with her. I'm like, why you got to be up in this closet? <laughs> but there's a reason for this. And so I'm going to spill the beans. It's because I desire one person to say, mm-hmm, and it is her. And I want to surprise her when I walk out of that out of that closet with my tie to go into the bathroom as she's blow drying her hair. And she says, mm, I'm like, yeah, baby. Uh-huh. And see, then I just get a little smirk on my face and I'm like, uh-huh. So, babe, just don't come in the closet. When I'm in there, just know that I'm trying to surprise you with something special. Hallelujah. Listen, but there is one person on my mind. I want her to smile. I want her to say how nice I look. If you're married in here, there is one person. One person who you should be dressing to impress, and that's your spouse. And you want to, and, and I'm going to tell you something, and this may be a little graphic for some, but, but, but you know, when you really want to show your stuff off, just get naked in front of him. I know, I know. Just look, you, look, just, uh, I'm just saying, you ain't got to wear an outfit that's showing stuff. If you want to impress him, go into the closet with him, glory to God. Get naked. Hello. <laughs> Listen, and, and if you're single, just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, if, if you're married, look, and I'm, I'm, I tell you, glory to God. Look, before we got married, my wife, I praise God for this woman. She is beautiful, wonderful. Hallelujah. Listen. And I had issues with some of the stuff she used to wear. Now, I've never, I, she, she'll tell you, I never ever pulled this thing where, you know, you're my girl, so you got to submit to me because the Bible doesn't say girlfriends submit to boyfriends. Right, right. I, I know that'll sink in too, praise the Lord. <laughs> so I wasn't like, listen, you got to submit to me or whatever the case is. But, hallelujah. I do believe that I gave her godly counsel. <laughs> and she had these two particular dresses that they were gorgeous, wonderful, hallelujah. I used to love to see her in them in the house. <laughs> but she decided to wear them to church. And, you know, a couple of months go by, and I'm like, babe, and listen, I asked her permission to tell this one, okay, because I wasn't going to put her out there like that. So she, she gave me the yes. She gave me the nod. She said it was good. She's reconsidering right now. But anyway, I told her, I said, babe, I said, I, you know, I really just, I don't, that dress, those dress, those two dresses, they're just, I'm not feeling them. They're, you know, a little short, whatever. She's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> go to church, worship the Lord, Hallelujah. One Sunday, come out of church. I'm sitting in the car, waiting for her to come into the car. She's talking to someone or whatever the case is. Suddenly, this gust of wind comes. Listen, I got a pregame show. You understand what I'm talking about? And it wasn't godly. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't divine inspiration, okay? The gust of wind wasn't like God said, here, I want to show you something. It wasn't like that. And I just happened to be looking in that direction. And the dress went, and she turned around like Betty Boop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. For the glory of God, that was the last time she wore those dresses. Amen. 
But the point of the matter is, I say this because husbands, you need to be your wife's first defense. Amen, somebody? From wearing something that's inappropriate. You need to let her know, baby, that looks good on you for the, for the house, but not anywhere else. Wear that around here. Clean in the house in that, glory to God, if you want. Do, do, do whatever. In this house, you can, you can do backflips all over the place if you want. But I'll bet, no, 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 uh-uh, that, that's, that, that's not going to work. Because that is not sober judgment, church. You got to think about these things. You got to think about why am I wearing this? Why am I putting this on? Why is it that I'm doing this? There's got to be a thought behind it. You've got to be conscious. Now, mind you, I said men need to control themselves. But at the same time, you shouldn't be a temptation to a man. Amen, somebody? You should dress in a modest way. You should dress in a respectful way. You should make it harder for him to control himself. So it's important for us to have this right mindset when we deal with these topics here. So we have to have this moderation. God wants us to check our motives when we're dressing. Why am I dressing? Am I dressing like this because society says it this way? Am I dressing like this because I'm desperate for attention? Am I dressing like this because, you know, what, what, what is the motivation, church? Paul continues on in his communication on this topic, and he says, look, he says, not with braided hair, so modest apparel, not with braided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly clothing. When I read this, I had to laugh. I said, God says not costly clothing. God is into sales. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. <laughs> he didn't say don't wear good stuff. Just make sure you don't pay the top dollar for it. Amen, somebody? I know the woman can appreciate that. Hallelujah. I don't know. I just thought it was funny, but praise the Lord. I said, look at God telling us to look for sales and stuff. Hallelujah. So what is the apostle? Is he saying that we should embrace our hair? My daughter's in sin right now because I think her hair is braided, if that's what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that we shouldn't have gold on. We shouldn't wear pearls. Is that what he's saying? He's not saying that stuff. What he is saying is, he's saying, look, don't let what you're wearing outshine your lifestyle. Don't let what you're wearing take away from your godly character and your good works. This is what the apostle's saying. Because in those days, what was happening is, remember, in that time, the women weren't exalted. They weren't in, in, in that equal understanding. They weren't like that. So you know what? These women were braiding up their hair, and, and, and the higher their hair stood with all of these pearls and all of this gold, that's how they got attention, and people thought that they were the whole bag of chips. That's how they were doing it. And Paul is saying, look, you don't need to be like that. Don't let that stuff define you. Let your godly character, let your good works shine brightly. Let that be the adornment. Let the interior preparation manifest outside. That's what he's saying. He's communicating this, and he's saying this is the way that a woman of God is supposed to walk. Amen? He continues on, and, I, and, and I'm not going to get real deep into this because and when we teach in about, in about eight, nine weeks, ten weeks, right? We have ten weeks left in the undercover. In about ten weeks when we deal with the whole eldership and stuff like that, I'm going to teach on this, and we can do question and answer, and you can ask questions because it would be unfair for me to just spew out a bunch of information. But he goes on to say this. If you look at verse 10, he says, but which is proper for women professing, not this part, of godliness with good works. That's what he's communicating about all the other things that we're wearing. Don't let those things detract from God. And verse 11 is what I'm talking about let a woman learn in silence with all submission now let me pause for a moment because i want you to realize something here in these scriptures you're going to see here that he points that out and there's a reason why the apostle points that out because it was something that was not the norm for a woman to be there and be allowed to learn like the men hear me in those days that wasn't the norm women weren't the ones that they, they weren't allowed to learn like that 
And what he was saying, he says, women should learn in all submission. And that word silence is bad because when they translate that word, you remember we were talking last week about the peace that's internal? That's what he's talking about in that word. He's not saying that women don't have anything to say. And I want to confirm this to you because when you look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you find that the Bible talks about women pray, praying in, in the public assembly and women prophesying in the public assembly. So obviously the apostle Paul is not trying to say that women are not allowed to speak. Now he goes on to say something else. He says, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to be a teacher or to have authority over a man. If you got a Bible in front of you, underline that, highlight that, because everything that God communicates regarding the women in the church has to do with that right there, not to have authority over a man. Church, this distorts the order of God. And that is the reason why he communicates everything. It's not because God wants to push women down. It's because that's not the way he created things. Hear me. So when we're looking at the scriptures, we got to take it for what it says. This is what the apostle is saying. He said, this is the way that we are supposed to operate. This is the way that we're supposed to be in the church. And so he establishes a criteria. Like I said, I'm not going to get real deep into that. But what I want you to know is that there is an order. There is a criteria that God sets in the house of the Lord. And there is a place that each of us must take. Men and women must accept their roles in the church, in the home. And, and, and we must do what God has called us to do. For what? So that way we can see the fullness of God in our lives. Amen? The third thing, please repeat this after me. God's commands are never without reason. He goes on to say this in verse 13. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, the first thing that we find, why is it that God says this? Why does he communicate these things? It is because God created in his, in his order, in his sovereignty, he created man first as a leader, not a lord over his family. This is what he did from, from before. Now, notice what the apostle Paul does. He goes to the time before the fall. This is important because he is communicating. He's saying before the fall, God already had order in mind. Before the fall, God already had this in, this in his mind and in his heart. And so he creates man first. Then he creates his woman, the, the, the wife, to be what? To be the helper, to be the one that is going to help me, the one who is going to add on to this man the things that he is lacking. Hello, somebody. He goes on to say that the man was not deceived, but Eve was deceived. Now, I want to pause for a moment. Because I don't want you to misinterpret the text. The text is not saying that women are more gullible than men. The text is not saying either that women don't, don't know how to read the Bible and can't interpret the scriptures. That's not true. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a prime example. One of the most anointed women that I've ever heard speak, I believe her name is Beth Moore, right? That, that's the lady's name. I think she, 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 she's a powerful woman of God. And you know what? She, she was preaching not this year, but last year at the, at, at the National Day of Prayer. This year they had Franklin Graham on there. And I have to be very honest with you. I wish they would have brought Beth Moore back because you know what? I was crying while this woman was preaching because this woman truly had a prophetic word from God and she was speaking the very oracles of God there was a brokenness that came in the atmosphere and so what I'm saying is that I want you to understand that God is going to use who he desires to use and so women are not more gullible in any way shape or form as a matter of fact I'll let you know like this my wife in many situations has more discernment than me any day hello 
So he's not saying that. He's not saying, well, you know, the woman is more gullible. That's not the case. That's not what he's trying to communicate. He's simply establishing this is what happened. And this is, and, and, and see, if she, because what, what, he, what he's trying to point out is what Eve should have done was not even have the conversation with the serpent. She should have said, you need to talk to my husband. Did you hear me? You need to talk to my husband. That's what you need. I, I'm not going to have this conversation. You need, that, that's what should have happened in this situation. That's what he's communicating here. It should have been a conversation. He should have been able to come. But you know what the man did? The man did even worse because he had the commandment of God. And you know what he did? He said, all right, babe, I'm just going to take what you give me. So I know people want to beat up Eve, but we should want to beat up Adam. Hello? We should have issues with him. Hmm. <laughs> Glory to God. But God gives this great and wonderful honor to women that he doesn't give to men. What does he say in verse 15? He says, nevertheless, they will be saved. And a better translation here would be they will be preserved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. So what does he say here? He says, women are given something that men are not. See, back in, those, in, 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 the, book of, in the book of Genesis, you find a conversation. I'm getting ready to close, y'all. You find a conversation that goes on. You find a conversation that happens between God and man, and he, ha and, and he tells a woman, he says, you know what, your desire is going to be for your husband. He says, but, you know, he's going to rule over you. But he talked about her giving birth to this deliverer. He talked to her about giving birth to this, to, this, to this deliverer and this savior. And so what happens? What happens is we know this woman by the name of Mary, highly esteemed woman among women, and she has this visitation from an angel. The Holy Spirit comes upon her. She conceives and gives birth to the Savior of the world. That Savior brings life. You know what women can do that men will never be able to do? Women can conceive life, they can nurture life, and they can bring life forth. Men can't do that. Did you hear me? Men cannot do that. As a matter of fact, let me help you to understand this. I believe this, and this, and this is just my opinion. I can't give you a scripture to support this. But I believe that most women have been given this gift of shepherding that a lot of men haven't. Bottom line. You know why? They're, they're, they're more nurturing. They're more sensitive to those issues. They have this different sensitivity in dealing with family. That's the way that God has placed it inside of women. Some women, that's not their desire. They don't desire to have children. That's fine because not every woman is going to be married. But the bottom line is that when you look at marriages, a lot of times men may be colder. They may be more standoffish, whatever, doesn't mean they don't love, doesn't mean they don't care. They're just different, gifted differently. And so it's important for the man and the husband to be in communion with one another, and that way their gifts and their abilities and the way that God has made them is able to do what? Is able to help them bring this family up. But here's what happens. Because of what happened with Eve, because of this, women have this stigma. Listen. Women have this stigma. You know, Eve fell, and so, you know, women, you know, can't be trusted, you know, all that. There's this stigma that goes along with them. And you know what God does in this scripture here? He says, women, through living this holy life, through living this righteous life, through their childbearing, they're able to do what? A woman was the one that was deceived, but she is able to bring godliness to many. She is able to pour a life into her family. Now, listen, as much as I love and I, and I know the need for men, church, there are things that a woman will be able to do in children that a man will never do. And the reality is that in most situations, the mother spends more time with those children. Amen? And so she's able to influence their lives. She's able to show them. As a matter of fact, that is what the scriptures teach us, that the woman is supposed to do with her children. She's supposed to do that. 
And so when we're talking about the house of the Lord, we're talking about the fact that God wants everybody to understand their purpose. He wants everybody to do what they're called to do because he has equipped and empowered men and women differently to do certain things that should be primary in their lives. And so what's he saying? He's saying, listen, men of God, and, he, and, and this is what's important because we see the absence of, of God speaking to men in this portion here. But this should cause men to wake up. This should cause men to rise up and say, wait a second, we have... Have a responsibility. If God is calling women to do this, then that means that we must take the leadership role. That means that we must lead our families. That means that we must lead in the church. That means that we must be the ones who are being this example, who are helping our wives, our daughters, who are helping our sisters in Christ to grow in the right things. Hello, church. This is what should be happening because we've all been gifted and we've all been called to do something differently within the body of Christ and within the family. God's purpose in all of these commandments, church, is to bring true liberty and alignment with his body. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring liberty and alignment. He wants us to know, man, this is your responsibility. Women, this is your responsibility. So you know what? You've been freed, man, from having to carry the child. Hello, because it ain't easy. Hmm. You've been freed from the labor pains. You've been freed from all of that right there. You've been freed from that, sir. But you have not been freed from becoming pregnant with the word of God. You have not been freed with seeking God's face in a laborious manner, giving birth to revival. You haven't been freed from that man of God. You haven't been freed from being the one who instructs and leads in those areas. You haven't been freed. Women, you don't have to take that responsibility. You need to pray for men to step up. Amen? You need to pray for men to step up. You need to pray for men to be men of God. You don't need to push them. Pray. Demonstrate that godly character that brings conviction on their lives. That's what he wanted to do, church. He wanted to liberate us from everything. Everything that I talked about today, I pray in my heart that you, ladies, women of God, I pray that you feel liberation in your life. I pray that you feel liberated from all of the opinions of society. Regarding what a woman should wear, what a woman should not wear, how a woman should look. I love when Sister Ellen, she sent over the email to the women and talking about the workout class. And she, and she, pointed, she, made, she made a wonderful point. She said, look, this is not about, you know, looking good for society. This is not about looking good for anybody. This is about you taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you should honor God with your body. That means you honor God with what you put in. You honor God with what you put on. Did you hear me? You should be liberated that you don't have to live up to the standards of anybody else but the word of God, church. And so my question is for everybody, not just for ladies, it's for everyone in this place. Are you walking in freedom as a result of obeying the word of God? Because if we obey the word of God, I said it earlier, the Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And if you're living this word, you will walk in freedom. Amen? If you're living what God says, you will walk in freedom. But everything starts with one thing, and that is a recognition that you are a sinner and he is a holy God. Hear me? It is a recognition that he is the creator and you are his creation. Hello? It is understanding that without his mercy, you and I would not be here. Therefore, we owe him everything. Hello? 
Therefore, we owe him all of our obedience and our allegiance. And today, he's here to set people free. Today, he's here to liberate lives. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you are. If you will recognize that he is holy and he is righteous and that you are not holy and you are not righteous apart from him and that he has made a way for you to be holy and righteous through his son, today's a new day. Today's a new day. And so you may be in this place and you don't know him and today's the opportunity. Oh, well, he was preaching about women. and then, No, no, no. I was talking about freedom in the church. Talking about people being free. God wants everybody to be free. And so you may not know him and he wants to set you free. And you may be walking with him and I hope he sets you free. Let's all stand to our feet. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.